When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Hi, this is Malayan Verveer. And this is Kim Azzarelli. We are co-authors of the book Fast Forward, How Women Can Achieve Power and Purpose. And you're listening to Seneca's Conversations on Power and Purpose. Welcome to this special edition. This new six-part series called Getting to Equal will change the way you think about women and leadership. And it comes at a time when women's leadership has never been more crucial. We have two amazing leaders who are guest hosting these six episodes, Carolyn Tastad, Group President, North America, and Deanna Bass, Vice President, Global Diversity, Equality, and Inclusion, both from P&G, one of the largest consumer goods companies in the world. Together, Carolyn and Deanna have created an impressive gender equality strategy for P&G, and it's a strategy that's really breaking new ground on these issues in the private sector. And they'll be joined by incredible guests from all walks of life. Today, Carolyn and Deanna talk with Eve Rodsky, author of the best-selling book, Fair Play. Fair Play offers a solution to the fact that women continue to bear the brunt of child-rearing and responsibilities at home. Carolyn and Deanna, thanks so much for joining us again today, and I'm looking forward to hearing the conversation. Thanks, Kim. Before we start this episode of Getting to Equal, we want to take a moment to acknowledge the recent passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a remarkable woman, a bold champion for equality. Justice Ginsburg dedicated her life to helping everyone get to equal. Today's conversation shows why equality in the home is crucial to women's advancement in the workplace. It's a concept Justice Ginsburg understood well. She and her late husband, attorney Martin Ginsburg, embodied home life equality. Theirs was a partnership of shared responsibilities. And as with most topics, in this area, Justice Ginsburg was ahead of her time. And that's only one of the very many reasons she'll be so profoundly missed. Gosh, you're so right, Carolyn. What a great example Justice Ginsburg was. She was such an extraordinary woman. I'm happy today that we're going to be talking with our good friend and ally in this work, Eve Rodsky, 
who has excellent practical ways of achieving equity and balance at home. And she's always so much fun to talk with. But to start with, I want to ask our listeners a couple of questions. Have you ever thought that there just wasn't enough time in the day to get everything done? Does getting everything done become more complicated when children enter your family? And at the same time, have you ever wondered how your partner or spouse has time to work out, watch a ball game, or read a book while you're barely able to make it? So Carolyn and I are fierce advocates of shining a light on the inequalities in our homes. In the fight for gender equality, we believe that we will never truly achieve equality until there is equality at home. Today, we're going to talk about the intersection of work and home, which has simply been compounded by the global pandemic, how to balance the task load at home, and why that has a profound impact on women's performance at work. We're going to share advice and solutions that men and women can use to free up what is today mostly women's time and allow women to accelerate their careers, accelerate in their communities, or frankly, just take a nap. So, Carolyn. We're talking about equal treatment of men and women at home, but it's really a bigger issue, isn't it? It's one that ties to our overall theme of women in leadership. So how do those things connect for you? Uh, Deanna, it's a, it's a really a great question. And it is a much bigger issue than simply who does the dishes or who helps the kids with their homework. You know, we know that women at all levels of achievement and in however they define what their career and their interests are. They continue to do most of the work in the home, including caring for the home, child rearing, and often taking care of extended family obligations. So these additional responsibilities, while very important, mean less time available to concentrate on their careers or other interests, especially as compared to their male colleagues or counterparts. And we often say that, you know, equality at work starts with equality at home. And we, we need to make room for both men and women to play equal or shared roles at home. Linked to that, we need companies to acknowledge that both men and women should share responsibilities. And, and in doing that, encourage this to happen through workplace policies that can allow for mothers and fathers to be part of a child's life and their home, home responsibilities. You know, in, interestingly, when women get into leadership positions, it's been shown that they're more likely to create or sponsor workplace policies or solutions such as paid parental leave and childcare policies for women and men. And not only are things like this the right thing to do, but that parental leave allows men to really understand the challenges of child rearing and what uh, women in the home and at work face every day. It builds empathy, it builds understanding, uh, and it makes room for more equality in the workplace. Yeah, you know, I believe that paid paternity leave is the single most important benefit intervention we can make to accelerate gender equality at home and importantly in the workplace. We're going to talk about this a lot more with Eve, but here's some research uh, to get us started. First of all, uh, the research tells us that when new fathers take paid parental leave, mothers return to work more easily. Now, that's a little obvious. But more interestingly, female employment is higher in countries where they have paid paternity leave. 
And more significantly, the earnings gap is lower in those countries. In fact, a study done by the Institute for Labor Market Policy Evaluation, it's a European organization, um, found that for every month of paid parental leave a man takes, a woman's salary goes up almost 7%. And it's amazing to think that this one policy intervention can and will help equalize the effects of maternity leave and motherhood on the development and the compensation of women in our organizations. It's so important to us that at P&G, we just announced we're going to be rolling out over the next year a standard eight weeks paid parental leave for all of our employees in all parts of the world. It's a significant intervention for us, and it's significant for men and women as part of our gender equality initiative. But we also know from our own experience with our employees that the coronavirus has made all of these challenges much more painfully obvious. Um, And in fact, um, there is this great article in Fortune that um, Sheryl Sandberg did back in May where she smartly coined the phrase, the double-double shift, right? Referring to the fact that women who are already doing a double shift, like I'm going to work, working all day long, and then I'm having to come home and uh, do everything at home. The double-double shift like takes into consideration what's happened in the pandemic, that there's additional responsibilities of homeschooling, of taking care of elder parents, you know, many of the things that you talked about. Yeah, you know, that, this is exactly true. This pandemic has the potential to wipe out years of progress that we've made in building up a pipeline of women. A recent survey shows that 14% of women considering quitting their jobs due to family demands created by COVID versus 11% of men. And that pressure is even higher for multicultural women, 26% of Hispanic women and 15% of Black and Asian women. You know, even our own internal survey data at P&G shows that women are more concerned about caretaking than men. Uh, And it shows up in one of their top three concerns uh, for more than 50% of women and a little over 30% of men. So this shows up over and over again. Yeah, there's so much to talk about on this topic. Our guest today has even written a book on this, and it's a New York Times bestseller. I'm so excited to introduce all of you to Eve Rodsky, the author of Fair Play, a game-changing solution for when you have too much to do and more life to live. In Fair Play, Eve uses her Harvard Law School training and years of organization management experience to create a gamified life management system to help couples rebalance all of the work that it takes to run a home and allow them to reimagine their relationships, their time, and their purpose. So Eve, I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Can you tell our audience what got you started on the Fair Play journey? So yes, how did this all get started? Well, um, yeah, I guess you can't you can't make this stuff up. But this this my whole journey to understanding started with a text my husband sent me after Ben, my second son, was born, and that text just said, um, "I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries." So I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. So I just had Ben. I had a toddler, Zach, at the time as well. Um, I had that day that I got this text, I had a diaper bag and a breast pump on the passenger seat of my car. I had, um, gifts for a newborn baby to return in the back seat of my car. Um, so I had a client contract in my lap where I was marking it up with a pen and I'm racing, racing to get my older son, Zach at our, his toddler transition daycare. 
And in all that chaos, which reminds me a lot of what's happening today, um, where it feels like sort of the space and time continuum is collapsing. A lot of Seth um, had the audacity <laughs> to send me a text saying, um, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. And um, it it hit me so hard that day that I pulled over. And if I had to pull over to compose myself because I was crying over this text, um, you know it was pretty bad. But what I was thinking that day was two things. One was blaming myself that um, I used to be able to manage employee teams. And now I'm in a position and I'm so overwhelmed that I can't even manage a grocery list. But more importantly, I was thinking to myself, how had this happened that um, I am the default, or as I call in fair play, the she-fault for literally every single household and domestic task for my family? wasn't supposed to happen to me. I'm a product of a single mom. I vowed from being her partner in life, seven years old, eight years old, helping her with eviction notices and late utility bills, that I would have an equal partner in life. And more importantly, um, as you said so nicely before, Deanna, I'm a Harvard-trained attorney. I'm a mediator. and I'm trained to communicate. So I think what I realized was that if this was happening to me, it was probably happening to other women. And that's the quest that began eight years ago that um, I'm still on today to understand what it means to be the she-fault in our society. You know, I think it, I think it's such a great story. And this notion of the she-fault is something that um, I think many can identify with. It's it, Your story amplifies this whole assumption that caring for home and family is women's work or or potentially even worse, you know, the perception that women are intrinsically better at caring for home and family than their male counterparts, um, neither of which is true. You know, I was at a leadership forum, this was a few years back, with uh, two uh, peers in, in our industry, a man and a woman who used to work together. And as the conversation began, you know, they were talking about their early years together when they would do Saturday morning store visits, which was kind of a rite of passage for all of us. And as they chatted, uh, the man said to the woman, you know, I always felt so badly about you having to leave your kids on a Saturday morning. To which she smiled and nodded and the conversation moved on. Well, I sat there going, wait a minute, didn't he have kids too? Why aren't we talking about that? And there's just this ingrained bias in society and in ourselves that somehow uh, we think women are failing their families when they work outside the home or when they when they step away from that responsibility. Somehow that gets uh, associated as a, as a female circumstance, uh, even in today's world and in the world I've grown up in, where my husband has played a much greater role in, in the caring for our children, but we don't talk about it that way. So we know today that women do two times more unpaid care work than men. The World Economic Forum's gender report uh, studies more than 150 countries. And in the last report, there were zero countries. That's a crazy number. Zero countries where men do more unpaid care work than women. And the only way to get at solving that is by really getting at the systemic issues and, and getting at this bias in our society. Eve, when you were putting together your Fair Play book, you, you did a lot of your own research. Tell us a little bit about that. As you said before, this is a systemic issue, and I think it requires understanding the systemic bias. This really comes down to a, a finding 
that was so interesting to me. Um, when I interviewed 500 men and women that mirrored the U.S. Census, um, my core finding of fair play was that we as a society, men, women, um, and society, we treat and we value men's time as finite, like, and we guard it like a diamond. And we, we value and treat women's time as infinite, like sand. And um, that sounds very esoteric. So let me just break it down for how that, that plays out in the real world. Well, we know that we don't value women's time the same as men's time because we don't pay women the same for the same work. Um, if you're a woman of color, you're getting 60 cents on the dollar to a white man. So we know women's time isn't valued in the workplace. But what I was so surprised by was how much women especially devalue their own time in the home. And so these were things that I was hearing, what I call toxic time messages. Um, women from all walks of life said things to me like, of course, I am the one making the lunches, uh, getting the call from the school because my husband makes more money than me. Well, typically, 70% of men make more money than women because of that pay equity <laughs> issue we just talked about. Yeah. So that's going to be a losing argument for women. Um, I, I'm, I'm more trained than my husband. I have more degrees, but I chose philanthropy. So does that mean because he chose private equity that I'm now relegated to uh, doing the unpaid care in my home forever? Other women said to me things like, well, you know that once you become a mother, multitasking is our superpower. We're wired differently for care and for multitasking. So for that one, I went to one of the top neuroscientists in this country. And Carolyn, Deanna, that was the only other time I cried, actually, um, on this journey. The only other time I really sobbed was this day that this old crotchety neuroscientist, when I asked him, are women wired differently for multitasking and care? Because we've heard, or at least I saw so many articles that sort of implied that. He just looked at me with a blank stare and said, um, Imagine Eve, we, men, can convince you, women, um, that you're better at wiping asses and doing dishes. Why would I want to change that perception? But other, so other than the multitasking, the, the most other popular message, toxic time message was, yeah, in the time it would take me to tell him what to do, I might as well do it myself. So for that one, I went to Dan Ariely, my good friend, he's a behavioral economist, and I said, is it a good argument to say in the time it takes me to tell him what to do, I should do it myself? And he said that was the worst argument he ever heard for women. Of course, it makes sense to, quote unquote, en enlist your partner in the wiping of the asses and doing of the dishes. Um, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, you're doing it yourself forever at the expense of your finite time. Still, I heard women saying, and it, my husband's better at focusing on one task at a time, and I can find the time. There's no way to find time, especially when space and time is collapsing on us as it is in a pandemic. And so what this just means is that there's a different expectation over how women are supposed to use their time. Yeah. You know, in our last episode, we were talking to Justin Baldoni. And one of the things that he said was, you know, basically you can't get mad at men about this, that you have to, in today's world, we have to approach equality with a sense of compassion. And like, I'm listening to your story going, then who do I get to be mad at? <laughs> who am I supposed to be mad at? Because it's, uh, it's frustrating. I think a lot of us are directing it at our partners. Um, I call it the resentometer. A lot right. of times our resentometer <laughs> is at 10. But I, what I think is we have to also look at our own our own bias. And um, part of this uh, work really is this idea of um, using our voice. 
because I think the thing that hurt me the most in this research um, was even more than understanding how women treated their own time as sand and didn't guard it as diamonds, including myself, where I had some of those toxic time beliefs that I was somehow a multitasking superhero for being able to do dishes and have my own firm and have Pinterest perfect um, clothes for my kids, you know, all these unrealistic expectations that ultimately lead us to crash. Um, the, 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 the other thing that made me really sad was that women did admit to anger and rage and sadness. Um, But when I asked whether it correlated to using their voice in their home, many women said it did not. It did not correlate. And I think that was a really hard finding for me to um, accept. You're exactly right. I mean, it is I myself have been guilty of this. And, you know, one of the things that Carolyn and I have talked a lot about as we talk to women that we work with, you hear things like, um, I have to hurry up and get home and make dinner. And so I do think women carry a, a bit of, you know, whether it is we carry the same bias that everybody else has about what our responsibility is, or uh, we get something for having the leadership and the accountability at home, right? But um, uh, I do think that that women have some reframing to do as well in this whole area. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's so right. I think both men and women have to shift their assumptions in terms of the, you know the work at home and raising a family and all of that i'll give you an example of that you know my husband is the best partner i can imagine uh certainly the best partner for me when our children were were younger with both of us working uh, i had a heavier travel schedule than he did and there was one day that i got home early a miracle right a miracle happens you never get home early And I was so excited because I was there. And so as we finished dinner, I said, who's having a bath? Whose homework has to get done? Let's go. I was was ready to roll. And and my kids stopped and they kind of looked at my husband and then they looked back at me and they kind of sat there like I was speaking a completely foreign language and they looked (laughs) at my husband. And then at one point, my husband looked at the kids And he said in a very loud stage whisper, it's okay, guys, mom's home. She thinks she's in charge. (laughs) He said, just just go with it. She's going to be traveling again next week and it'll all be back to normal. And the kids thought this was the funniest thing in the world and, you know, tripped merrily away to go do homework and have a bath because dad had just um, very much put mom in her place. And, And for me, what I hadn't internalized until that moment was that my husband was the one who was managing the day-to-day. I got other responsibilities. We both played a great role in, in bringing up our kids, you know. but he got that day-to-day responsibility and I got things that worked on my travel schedule. And that was theater costumes and birthday parties and the big projects and you know the dreaded college applications. I still think he got the better deal than I did on that <laughs> one. But it, that notion of both of us figuring out our role, figuring it out in a way that worked for us equally, um, took some took some to and froing uh, from both of us, but very definitely from me. I love that so much. Yeah, you know, Eve. One of the concepts that you talk about that I found so interesting was this notion of um, fixed time and flexible time. So I think it's such an important conversation when you think about uh, what women and men do at home. Absolutely. Typically, women are doing work in the home that cannot be set at their own timetable. 
And we know that now, especially in this pandemic, that um, women are subject to far more interruptions than than men are. Um, and men often choose the tasks that they can do um, at times that work for them. And so I call that in the book, The Daily Grinds. So here are the, from my survey of 100 men and women, what is causing the most consternation in the home right now? Laundry, groceries, meals, home supplies, who's ordering the hand sanitizer and wipes, tidying up, cleaning, dishes, and garbage. If you have children, you would add discipline and screen time, homework, which has now become homeschool, watching of children, whether it's toddlers or even teenagers, that dirty dozen are the other tasks that are the hardest. And typically those are the ones, Deanna, that fall on women because they're not ones that can be done on your own timetable. You may be able to mow the lawn. Who cares if the grass is a little long? But you can't put your child to bed without dinner consistently. Otherwise, Child Protective Services is going to come to your house. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the reality. And so inviting men to the table for those dirty dozen, those are where you can really get the most relief. But that requires um, not only using your voice, but it requires understanding that um, this is more than just a list. Lists alone do not work. Um, But what does work is systems. And if you can treat your home as your most important organization, if you can start thinking of your home with some respect and rigor, like my Aunt Marion's Mahjong group has more clearly defined expectations in the home. If you don't bring snack (laughs) twice to that group, you're out. But the home, we're all deciding, as Carolyn, you said in your beautiful story, okay, who's doing what? Uh, Who's setting the table for dinner? Who wants to take the first bath? We are dying in decision fatigue. And if we are not making those decisions, then it's going to she fault, right, in this gendered way. So the answer is to treat our home as our most important organization, to treat it with some respect and rigor, and to customize our defaults. You don't walk into your boss's office and say, hey, what should I be doing today? And I'll just wait here till you tell me what to do. It's just not going to fly with you. I know it. It would definitely not fly with you, Carolyn. I know that. Um, but what you're doing and why you're such effective managers, right, is you're giving ownership to the people who work around you. You're giving them autonomy. And that's why this doesn't work for men either. Why fair play became a love letter to men. Because no man told me that the current system was working for them. The number one thing men tell me they hate about home life is quote unquote nagging. The number one thing women tell me they hate about home life is that they can't shut their minds off. The only way you you cure that is by starting to customize your defaults where in advance, you know who's handling a task in your home from start to finish. We'll be back after this break. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. 
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I love your system for working this, um, conception, planning, and execution. I'd love you to tell uh, everybody about this because I think it's simple, it's sticky in that it's easy to remember, uh, and it's really easy to learn. Uh, And it's a way to have such an important conversation and dialogue and just to get clear on who's going to do what. So tell us about CPE, Conception Planning and Execution. CPE is really the basis of uh, fair play. And this is what I mean by it. What I mean is that the domestic conversation so far um, in modern history is is all about 50-50. And I want to tell you that I think 50-50 is a very dangerous equation because it automatically leads to scorekeeping. What if we change the scorekeeping mindset and instead adopt an ownership mindset? What I mean is that, Seth, when we first uh, started playing fair play, we first started to have these conversations, he genuinely felt that he was in charge of our son's extracurricular sports because he was showing up to the Little League field on the weekends. And so when we finally sat down and said, um, thank you for executing that piece, right? I appreciate you showing up. Um, But here's the behind the scenes task. Um, I'm surveying our kids to see what sports they want to play and what sports leagues they want to be in. I am logging on to some crazy 1980s portal um, that always locks me out to try to register them on the same team at the same at 6 a.m. in the morning when the portal opens up. Um, I am ordering cleats or getting cleats from friends um, who've outgrown their cleats and going to pick them up. I'm returning that those cleats um, or the, that equipment when it doesn't fit. Um, I'm organizing for three days a week uh, practices for, you know, cumulative between both of our kids um, and the carpooling to and from those practices. I'm organizing a coach's gift for all of us to once once every couple times I'm snack mom. Uh, which is, I I hate that term, (laughs) I'm snack parent. Um, Those are the things. I'm researching their birth certificate or trying to make five copies of it. And some, I don't have a Xerox copy machine at my house. Um, Those are the behind the scenes conception and planning tasks 
that take that take us to that little league field. Those are what's required to get us to that little league field, along with sunscreen and maybe a protective helmet, um, so they don't have to use a communal helmet. Because of course, my kids will be the ones that come home with lice. Um, and I think it was that understanding that to own, to to move to an ownership mindset, that it would require taking over everything. The conception to the planning to the execution of that entire task. And then if something fell through the cracks, the blame would not be the she fault. It would not come back on me. You would carry through your mistake. You don't bring the equipment. You have to go back home. You don't say, Eve, ah, I can't believe you didn't bring me the equipment. You carry through your own mistake. That is really the basis of what CPE is. It's just another way of saying um, we're, we're here to start looking at the home in a different way and to adopting an ownership mindset as opposed to a 50-50 scorekeeping mindset. Uh, You know, the other thing on this one is that you have to be open to different ways to do things. My experience with that before I knew what it was called was uh, when my kids were older and my husband retired. And at one point, my daughter came to me and said, Mom, I'm out of clean underwear. Can you talk to dad? (laughs) Dad said he's only doing laundry once a week. And like, that's just not going to work. At which point I went to my husband and I said, like, really, our kid, they got to have clean underwear. And he said, no, 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 my responsibility. The kids need clean underwear. I understand that. I'm going to do laundry once a week. We need a different solution. We're going to buy more underwear. And we did. (laughs) It was a different solution. It worked beautifully and everybody was happy. But in terms of the CPE, the concept planning and execution, you got to be open to different solutions as long as you're clear on what I think you call it the minimum standard. You know, what's that minimum standard of care that you agree on? And then you got to be willing to let other stuff go. It doesn't have to be, it has, doesn't have to be done your way. It just has to be done in a way that works. Yes. And I think that that's what's so shaming to women because every article I was seeing up until that point, Carolyn, was things that said like, women, you have to lower your standards or men, your standards suck and you have to raise your standards. We're oftentimes, it's just ridiculous. It's just wrong. wrong. It's wrong because this is not a zero sum game. You know, we're trying to redefine teamwork here. This is not, I win and you lose. Exactly. So the way, what you said before is such a beautiful way to think about a minimum standard, because guess what? I talk about this in fair play. Our legal system, our trillion dollar legal system works on minimum standard. Our medical system, they talk a lot about minimum standards of care. This is something that works everywhere else. So why not bring these concepts into the home? You're exactly right that this idea that there is this shaming around men's standards versus women's standards is completely counterproductive. What I said to Seth is, here's what the CPE is for extracurricular sports. The only thing that I care about is that when they show up, if it's possible that they could be wearing a helmet and not the communal helmet. And then Seth's like, sure, of course, you know, I'll get them there on time, which was important for him. And that was something I wasn't doing for the minimum standard of care. I would always get them to their games when they were batting like second inning. He said, please, the minimum standard for me is yes, protective gear, but also getting them there on time. And that was not a hard conversation to have. One of the things that Carolyn and I have been talking about a great deal is that there is a relationship between everything that you're talking about, like how do you renegotiate things at home so that uh, there's more equity, there's more opportunity for women, for the person who's taking on the, the majority of the unpaid care work. So there's a relationship between what you're talking about and then inside a company. Uh, creating a culture 
that supports that transition. And um, it's really, it's, I started this off saying, you know, I'm a real, um, I'm very committed to the concept of paid paternity leave. It's yes. really paid parental leave. What paid paternity leave does is it's, it starts to create the um, expertise across both people, right? So where is the diaper bag? How do you change a diaper? To your point, we have no diapers, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my God, how does that happen? It's not, I don't, I'm not blaming you for exactly. not having them. It, you know, I can have accountability as well. Yeah. Exactly. But inside the workplace, it also, what the man has to go through is what women have to go through. So I now have to go to my boss and say, hey, my family is going to bring a child into, you know, into our home and I'd like to take paid paternity leave. I hope, can we talk about, is there a job on the backside of this for me? Um, and uh, I have to think about how my work is going to get done while I'm gone. And then I have to do the reentry into the workplace again. When men go through that cycle, they are infinitely better managers of women who go through that cycle, right? It, Carolyn said it's a big empathy builder. It's an enormous empathy builder. But the other thing that we are like working on, I was at this conference a couple of years ago. One of the main speakers is he's a CEO of a very large company, and he is one of the men that is, you know, genuinely out trying to have a voice in, you know, in gender equality and what is the role of men. And for the most part, it was a really good conversation. But at one point he said, um, you know, I tell the women who work for me that they can have it all. They just can't have it all at the same time. Right. And there's kind of mm. silence and then they <laughs> moved on. Right. And, um, and right. That's so perplexing because I, I would bet my life on the fact that that is not the coaching that the men in his office are getting. Correct. At all. Right. So it perpetuates the, the belief and the bias that everything that's going to happen on the backside of that child coming in is the responsibility of the woman. And she's just got to navigate when and how she can have it all, whereas men get offered it all. And so the, you know, there's a lot of work that has to be done inside the workplace to support the exact work that you're talking about that needs to be renegotiated at home. And I think it, you know, Deanna, you, you brilliantly gave the example of parenting leave and how important that is uh, because it really uh, cements the opportunity for a man to be a dad all the way through a child's life. But there's so many also there's so many other ways that um, men and and partners can can do this work. And you know we spend a lot of time talking about the need for flexibility and flexible policies for start time and work from home. And certainly, what we've all experienced during this pandemic is the ability to be flexible and agile and figure out how to cope with it. And what's really important is that we continue to learn that way and continue to set this expectation that we need to give flexibility to women and to men. So we've, we have this initiative called Flex at Work that Carolyn's talking about. And it's my own little way to, you know, try to make change. Um, over the last several years, every time that, every time we've done any sort of um, 
visual around flex at work or um, in in the materials that we put out. I'm just like, find me the man and let's put his name <laughs> next to flexibility. <laughs> like, I want the picture. No, and it's, it's really important. It's really important. What I love about that is the modeling. So what was so beautiful was I got to be with you um, in Davos at the World Economic Forum. And I had all these uh, male CEOs come up to me um, and ask, you know, what is the number one thing you recommend? So of course it's always, you know, paternity leave, right? But, um, but modeling is a big part of it. So if, if it was a CEO, if it was a very high level man that asked me that question, I say, put your, put your name as first and emphasize that you are the number one only person to call when your child is sick from the school or needs something from the school. Because the modeling of having a male leader be interrupted. Exactly. Because that is where the motherhood penalty comes from. It comes from this bias that um, we are women, uh, mothers, we are the responsible party for the interruptions, the daily disruptions, which makes us less committed to the workforce. And that's how we're losing 5 to 10% of our wages for every child that we bring into the world, where men uh, increase their wages by 6% for every child they bring into the world. So just in our peak earning years, uh, when women are having children, all of a sudden we become oftentimes the secondary earners because of these motherhood penalties. So how transformational, if you see the leader uh, in the middle of a giant presentation with a client say, I have to step out, my school is calling. We know that what people see, like what they see in advertising or what they see on film or what they see on television is enormously important in framing how we all think about this. And so, Carolyn, you are like really at a real center point in terms of what goes on air in our advertising in North America. You want to talk a little bit about that and like why that's important to us? Exactly. As you said, this is all about setting new expectations. So whether the new expectation is who does the school phone when somebody's sick or there's an issue at school, um, who goes to the doctor's appointment, but setting that expectation creates a new norm. It's a new normal. And one of the things that we're really intentional, very deliberate about doing is really showing men as equal partners in the home in our advertising. You know, we are the world's largest advertiser. We have a, an amazing portfolio of brands. So we need to show men doing laundry changing diapers, swiffering floors. Hmm. And we, when we do that, uh, we do that in a way that's very natural and just part of the everyday living. We show dads as caregivers, but we're very intentional in ensuring that we, we have walked away from these outdated stereotypes and we really make room to create this better, more equal world. I'm proud of so many of our brands for that. Tide, Swiffer, Pampers. You know, Pampers ads have moved their target from moms to parents. It's, you know, it's, it's wonderful mm-hmm. and it's modern. It's relevant for today's world. It's about, it's about diapering parents. It's not about diapering moms, you know, cleaning homes. You used to only see moms doing dishes. It's like, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We are really going to showcase this new world and this new expectation that men can play an equal role here. Uh, and that's good for everybody. You know, I think the the conversation of CPE is so important. And and when 
families and couples get it right, it has huge impact. You both know that I got divorced when my kids were very young. I mean, they were eight, four, and three when Tony and I split up. And when we first, um, when we first split up, we had, um, back then it was a really traditional way of thinking about, you know, split families. Tony had the kids every Wednesday night for dinner and had them every other weekend. And, but what that meant for me was that I had them all the time and I love my children, but I was exhausted. I was literally exhausted because the CPE predominantly fell on me. You know, at some point, Tony and I, for a lot of reasons, for him, for me, for the kids, moved to a week-on, week-off model of parenting. I had to let go of everything I believed I was supposed to be as a mother. I mean, we've talked about this all through here, that women have to really reframe their role at home um, if you want to get to equality. But I will tell you this. My life changed when we made that decision, and so did Tony's. But for me, it uh, you know I got to get some sleep. Um, I knew when I could travel. I when it was my week, I knew that doctor's appointments and parent teacher conferences and sports were my responsibility. But when it was his week, they were his responsibility, and um, and. You know, I say it was life changing, but it also changed the trajectory of my career because my ability to do my job, to plan my weeks, to, um, you know, be excellent at what I do at home and excellent at what I do at work. Now, I wouldn't recommend that, you know, people get divorced in order to get that. I mean, I think, Eve, what you're laying out for us is a way to navigate the, the uh, equality at home and equality at work without having to be drastic. Um, but I think it's a really, really, um, the intervention of CPE is such an important uh, concept for everyone to take on. So right. Absolutely. Eve, this has been such a great conversation. Like you're so amazing. You have a podcast coming up this fall. You want to tell us really quickly about it? Oh, thank you. It's called The Fair Play Files. Um, we're basically looking at this idea that the home presents itself uh, really small, but recognizing that um, the presenting problem is never the real problem. So really looking at these greater issues, whether they be issues about um, the three things that seem to prevent um, people from getting to this place of uh, equity. And those are really boundaries the, you know, women believing that they have a permission to be unavailable for things that they care about. Systems, as we talked about a lot, um, the idea of owning uh, the full grocery situation, the CPE, and then also communication. How do we use our voices? So I'm really excited to explore um, what I believe is really the key to mental health for women, and that's boundaries, systems, um, and communication. So that's what we're going to be doing in the fall with the podcast. I can't wait to hear it. Thank you so much, Eve. It's been such a delight talking with you today. I appreciate your being here. So is there um, one final thought you'd like to leave us with? One final thought. What I'd like for us all to uh, take a moment to think about is, do you believe an hour holding your child's hand at the pediatrician's office is just as valuable to society as an hour in the boardroom? If you believe that, then you also believe that all time is created equal. 
that women and men's time are both diamonds and it should be treated as such. That's amazing. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Eve. It's been delightful talking to you today. What an incredible conversation. I learned so much today listening to Eve, Carolyn, and Deanna. Here are my top takeaways. First, equality at work begins with equality at home. As we've said in other episodes, now is the time to reframe our thinking and debunk old stereotypes. Both men and women can play an equal role at home, and children and families will be the better for it. Second, to encourage equality at home, consider a system or tool that actually gets you there, such as Eve's CPE. It's a simple and effective plan that calls for owning an activity from start to finish, conception, planning, and execution. Finally, we need to carry this message into the workplace. We need policies that treat men and women equally on topics ranging from flexible work for men and women to paid parental leave that equally supports new moms and new dads. Join us next week when Carolyn and Deanna talk to Tina Chen, president and CEO of Time's Up, about dealing with harassment at work and creating workplaces that are safe, fair, and dignified. You're listening to Seneca Women, conversations on power and purpose, brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio, with support from founding partner P&G. Listen to Seneca Women conversations on power and purpose on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please support this podcast by telling your friends, subscribing, and rating us. For more information on Seneca Women, follow us on social media, Visit our website, SenecaWomen.com, and check out the Seneca Women app, free in the App Store. Have a great day. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. 
I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 